here we are for another episode of the 212 podcast. Thank you for all your continued support. We really, really appreciate it. Please like and subscribe if you like what you hear. Our next guest on the podcast today is the founder and director of one of Europe's elite festivals, Primavera Sound Festival, a festival that has hosted Kendrick Lamar, Neil Young, Nine Inch Nails and Wu-Tang Clan. He was the founder of the festival that started small and worked its way up to what it is now with 200,000 people attending. Like most from the Catalan region, he is passionate and driven to make the festival even bigger and bring the biggest artists to the area of Barcelona. Please welcome to the podcast, Pablo Soler. How are you and where are you today, Pablo? Hi, Daniel. I'm good. I'm in Barcelona in Primavera Sound offices. We are just preparing the last steps to have the festival ready in early June. So is this the first, did you have to cancel last year or, or is it, so this is the first one back up and running? Yeah, we cancelled uh, twice in 2020. We we cancelled in June, moved it to September, we cancelled September, then we cancelled June 2021. It looks like we'll be able to pull uh, June 2022 through and so we're now yeah, just getting ready for it. People uh, have been waiting and waiting for the festival, so I'm assuming that when it does kick off, it's going to be it's going to be massive for people. Um, well, yeah, uh, yeah, we we did sell a lot of tickets. We doubled the weekend uh, this year, so we are doing two weekends in a row. But we have to admit that uh, some of the tickets were sold um, as early as uh, July 2019. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone's coming because it's it's going to be, you know, a, a blast. But we're afraid, you know, some of the people forget or, you know, they, their life has changed. So they don't they are not into festivals anymore. Or maybe there's still people who is afraid about, you know, big gatherings uh, be, being, you know, uh, still COVID uh, is still a little bit fresh. But we're getting ready to have a, a great event. I think people have been deprived of dancing for so long. As soon as it opens up, everyone's going to be attending and ready to uh, get down on the dance floor. Yeah, hope so. Hope so. And so yeah. some people who work in the industry or had started out in the festivals or music or anything like that, they normally start, well, festivals specifically, they normally start somewhere kind of, unrelated like uh, they start doing something else and then they kind of find their way into the festival scene how did you start out before the festival came about yeah well i i did law school i finished my law degree and and worked as a criminal lawyer uh, for not for a long time i had been uh, expecting uh, law to, to, to get it, uh, you know, I have been, have been expecting to like it through the years in, in university. And, I, you know, I wasn't in love with law yet, but then I started working and I could feel that, I mean, it was not bad, but it was not my thing. And then I I, I met some, with some friends, we started um, a small record label and record distribution company. That's how I got into music. Uh, we released a few bands, and then um, then with with some friends, we started talking about how we would like to. We were going to festivals, and we started talking about how we would like to our, our own festival, our ideal own uh, festival, how it would be. 
And then we started fantasizing. Uh, these friends, they had some experience. They had been working in other festivals. And in year 2000, we decided to, to give it a try. And so in 2001, we had our first Primavera Sound ready, which was in a, you know, venue with a capacity of 10,000 we had it was just one day we had uh, 7,000 that day probably the first year obviously I left I stopped being a lawyer and I and I dedicated myself myself fully to the to 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 bring the festival up so music was the kind of hobby outside of work really yeah 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 and well I I don't know at at the moment I was not pursuing a, a career into music. It was just, um, you know, my my my, my I, that's how I, I spend my time, you know, listening to records, uh, meeting friends in in shows, in in live shows, or in in in, in DJ sessions. Uh, but uh, yeah, it became you know a, a perfect way out of 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 somewhere I was not entirely happy. And with time, definitely, it's well, it's been a, it's been a, you know, a, with time, I see it was a great decision for me. <laughs> well, obviously, I think, I mean, the success of the festival is huge, so it's it's so good. When we speak to kind of people from festivals, they they there's normally a group of people that that run uh, the festivals or have been the founders that have a different. So there's there's always someone that has a different area of expertise. So I guess, you know, you have someone who works in accounting or finance and you've got someone who works on operations and logistics. I mean, law must be a really, really good thing to to have, in, you know, as a way possibly to, to help. Um, have you had to jump in uh, to anything to do with law during the festival? Well, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, as much as we try to comply and, and, and do everything by the book, uh, there's always issues. Uh, law is, a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great fundamental if you want to do business because uh, it's going to give you some structure and some resources uh, that will help you solving day-to-day uh, problems and also in terms of you know planning and 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 getting deals through it's also going to be very helpful so yeah in my case uh, my partners uh, knew more about the business and i could uh, bring in a little bit more you know legal structure and, and the sort of you know small work that uh, you know it's also needed to 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 to, to pull things through yeah. I, I mean, you mentioned there as well, you, you were a record collector and, and you were going out and seeing gigs. You know, Barcelona for me, I've been so, I've been quite a few times now and I've got a lot of friends in, in Barcelona as well. And this the scene has changed so much. So for you, when you were growing up, what kind of music was, was around at the time? What kind of things, what kind of gigs were you going to? And I guess there's things might have changed from, from now to when you were going, uh, going to gigs. Well, um... Uh, not so much, actually. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, we definitely there, there's been places that uh, doesn't don't exist anymore. Some some of some of the bars, but um, my partner uh, Gabby and Sonia, my partners, they they run a Nizza club, which is a, a polo venue. A Nizza club, it's one of the oldest clubs in Europe that's been having a, an international programming. 
for the last, I don't know, they started in 1994, probably. So, <laughs> in 1994, I had uh, 20 years. So that's that's probably where I started, you know, going out and 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 you know, started noticing what was. Uh, the DJ playing and starting getting involved uh, in, in 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 that way. So and this is still open. I'm not going out anymore. <laughs> 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 but but uh, as much as there's you know been changes, well Barcelona is still a city very very much related to to underground and and to you know smaller smaller and not so obvious. Uh, artists. Uh, there's uh, there's Rasmatas, which has been there for a very long time too. There's Apollo, and there's a few other you know venues that have this kind of uh, progressive programming. Well, and yes, it's sort of definitely translated also in in Primavera Sound, where uh, headliners are very important. But you know, uh, we like to think that every every band counts. You know, the smaller the smaller acts. They also have to have to have the best conditions to play on stage, and they also have to deliver a good show. And if that works, then you know everybody's experience is so much better. I imagine it must be hard as well. You just said, you just mentioned there the underground scene as well, which is what I think of with Barcelona, right? the, like the cool places that you have to kind of like go down a, a little alleyway to kind of find. It must be hard for you now running a festival to to kind of think of the underground scene that you grew up with, but now you run a festival that has so many restrictions and you kind of probably as a festival want to say, no, no, we have no restrictions. Everyone could do what they want and everyone can party and then there's no there's no problems and there's no it doesn't stop and all this stuff. Well I think in yeah, in that sense in the last I mean yeah, 20, 20 something years that they the the whole industry and the whole you know, process in enjoying a live show uh, has changed. I'd, I'd say it has changed for the better. I mean, there's still places like Berlin where you would uh, have a venue uh, built up in a few days, and and I don't know how they would pass the uh, the, the, the exams of uh, <laughs> fire keepers and the city council. Yeah. But in most of the places now, there's lots of regulations, uh, which. Uh, in general terms, are um, safety-related, and and uh, well, that actually you know makes our lives uh, safer, and we can sleep better at night. Um, <laughs> that's that's it. As a yeah. promoter, um, um, but it's true that uh, you know when uh, when we were younger. Things were done in a different way, you know, yeah. not 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 so reflexive, probably. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, where specifically did you grow up in 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 Catalonia, and and what was your neighborhood like in terms of music and art scene, and did that contribute to the kind of reason that you wanted to get into the music industry? Um, well, I grew up in a small town, uh, forty kilometers north of Barcelona, by the seaside, and it was a and it was and it is a very quiet place. But then I, then I, when I was a little bit, uh, you know, older teenager, uh, I moved to a school in Barcelona. And then, like so many people, it's it's through, you know, friends, uh, listening to music together, listening to new bands. Uh, at that point, there was 
electronic music uh, exploding in, in places like Manchester. A little bit later, the, all the all the um, you know uh, beat pop and, and and that sort of uh, you know indie bands came through. And and you know music was experienced a a change in so many ways in the way you you know you had a band in the way you produced a band in the way. And then a little bit later in the way you, you you promoted your band and you exposed your band. So when you are in your um, uh, late teens and early 20s, uh, this is very exciting. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, a, a moment of change is, is, is a moment where you can uh, hook up and, 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 and be a part of something, even if you don't have a great background. So that's that, I, I guess that's how I, I got involved. Do, uh, I, 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 I love French rap. Uh, I don't speak French, but I love French rap. I love hearing it. I just think it's it's great. But did you speak English back then when you were kind of listening to Britpop? I did. But now that you mentioned this, you know, one of the, the uh, you know, one of the, the thoughts I have frequently on why mm, Primavera's lineup, it's not so obvious it's because I, I I don't know maybe it's a silly thing, but I I, I believe that if you are an English speaker, 99% of the music you're gonna listen is in English, and 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 then you know you, you don't have to make that process. Like the, the thing you say, I like I like French rap. I like I like how it sounds, even I, I don't understand it. That's a very common place uh, for uh, music listeners in, in in Spain. So many people well listen to French music and don't speak French like you do, or don't understand English. So you get used to that kind of a different relation. And then if you put that in the mix, a little bit of, you know, uh, Spanish bands or Italian or German or uh, uh, French bands, then the whole picture you see in terms of sensibility is a little bit different than if you are an English speaker and 99% of the music it's, it's on your on your language. I guess that that's one of the things that makes you know the flavor of 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 Primavera Sound lineup yeah, a little bit different. So obviously it's morphed into what it is today, which is is a massive festival. But like when you first started, when, when you with the the kind of group of you, what was the first idea of the festival, uh, and how many people did you have, and what what were you what were you trying to uh, trying to create? Yeah, we, we were trying to, I mean, uh, we were, we, we would sit down and see and say, look, mm, what would be the perfect setup to enjoy a weekend of music? And then uh, even at that time, we were not very keen to camping sites. And we said, well, I mean, if you could do that in, in, in inside the city, uh, you know, the experience would change. You would, you know, would stay in a hotel or in a hostel. And, and and then you 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 will have all the city's restaurants to enjoy lunch before going to the venue. You would move to the venue by public transportation. You don't have to drive for uh, two hours, make another two hours of queue to get in the parking lot, and so so we were mostly uh, in terms of look, looking at, at you know um, features in terms of comfort uh, how comfortable you could. You could be, and then in, ter- in, in terms of music, it would be, we, we, it would be mostly we we, we want to have. I, I mean, our view in terms of music was that we wanted to have whatever was going on that specific year. 
we wanted to have it in the festival. Whatever was interesting and different and appealing uh, musically, uh, new records, we wanted to have those in the festival. And we would add, you know, um, some big names and classic names that would explain in time why the music, why the bands, the young bands now are doing what they are doing. So it would be a mix of um, big names, classic names, new bands, we, you know, programmed and uh, in a in a in a way they they make sense. And on on on, I know how important identity is to to kind of Catalonians, but um, I know it's a generalization, but for most Catalonians, it's, the identity is really important. So, how important was it to bring Catalan? I mean, you're speaking about English speaking bands there, so it's it kind of brings in the international. But how important is it for internationals that are coming in to to showcase? Uh, bands from from the Catalan region. Yeah, we since we have clubs and we you know we're promoters and we are from the city and we have uh, venues and clubs that we run. We have a and and we have a label. We have a very close contact with the, with the local bands and with local scene. So we we want to we we you know we, we've tried every year to include a significant percentage of of local. From Barcelona, from Spain bands, uh, in in the lineup, and we don't want to um, we don't want to have them segregated. We want to have them in the in 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 slots between you know international bands. So, uh, but it has to be slots that make sense. So you have to choose. Uh, you have a a, a stage with a ten thousand people capacity. You have to put a, a, a Spanish band there, but it has to be a Spanish band that can fill in that that space, obviously. But uh, you know, uh, we try to we try to mix local talent with international talent. So when international audience comes, uh, even they are not looking for the local band. We they'll they'll just bump uh, around the, uh, and and they'll find the show. And if if they like it, they they will stay, even they they don't know it. I think one of the greatest experiences in Primavera is that you go and watch uh, the headliner. But since we take care that we try to have every band playing, being, uh, we try we try them to be meaningful and have a great show. It's very likely that you will, you know, just stop in a, in one stage on your way to a to a, to, to see, you know, the band you want to see. And if you have some extra time, you'll stop and see a show. And if we can, and if you discover something, that feeling of, you know, discovery, it's a very powerful feeling. So, you know, we try to, um, to we, we try to, to make it happen as much as possible. And what was the the first the first kind of year? How many how many venues or how many bands were you were, were you having at the time? Uh, yeah, first year was uh, the venue was called El Pueblo Español. It's a it's a weird venue because it was built for in 1929 uh, for the world exhibition that was taking place in Barcelona, and it it was built after a you know yeah old Spanish town, but with the difference that each house in that Spanish town is taken out of a different region in Spain. So it looks like an old town, but it looks a little bit weird because each house is totally different from the one by it. 
it was supposed to last for a few years, but it, it's still there. And and it's a great venue. It's It's got a main square, like in any other Spanish town, and it can hold up to 7,000 people. So that was our main stage by then. And then it's got... Uh, uh, several uh, smaller spots uh, within the walls of the of the of the town uh, where we could place I don't know maybe five or six extra stages going from 1,000 to 100 people and when we when we we stayed that in that venue until uh, 2004. And since we were growing, for the first year, the capacity was fine. We had 7,000 people. In, so, you know, you, you could walk around easily and, and there was plenty of space. But we, we kept growing on year two, three and four. So we needed to we needed to do two things. First, try to look for extra spaces around that area, around that, 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 around that venue. But most important, we had to program in a way that all stages would would be full at the same time so and so increasing maximizing the capacity of the of the whole venue and that culture of you know putting several stages at the same time and all of them having a an interesting program is something that uh, we've been doing since and i think it, it it's one of the you know great things of, of going to Primavera is, uh, you know, getting in and walking around and watching how, uh, you know, the main stage is full, but then the other smaller stages, uh, all of them, are, there's people and the bands are performing are perform, performing in front of the fans uh, and, every, you know, people are comfortable. And, well, also the feeling that you actually have to make a decision that you, you, you can see the, 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 the big band in the main, in the main stage, or, but there's also this uh, smaller stage with a with a, a new band that you've heard about, and and, and you do have to take it to make your decision, which is also uh, something good. I mean, seven thousand for your first gig's pretty good. Uh, well, it was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it, it, that first year had us. Uh, an, an electronic approach. It was Arman van Helden. And Towate, and then Le uh, uh, Inferno, which, which was a band from Berlin, and then some Spanish band, Los Planetas. I think for the first year it it, it was it it worked. We, we, well, it definitely worked because we were after the first year, <laughs> we went on for a second year and we doubled the well we did two days instead of one, and then we 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 were more ambitious. We had Pulp on 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 year two. Um, and obviously we grew and we kept growing for a while. It, it wouldn't be a festival in Spain without Los Planetas, but I mean, some <laughs> of the bands that you're talking about, there's a pretty huge, there's a, there's a risk there, you know, uh, you know, pulp for the second year. Did you, did you ever feel like it, it, it wouldn't work or you were just all really like blind faith that you were like, this is going to work. We're going to make our money back, etc. Um, I don't know. It, we we financially, it's very hard. It's very hard. The first few years, honestly, we were we were supported financially by our families until you until as a company you get to have a some some historical 
banks don't trust you so much, uh, important investors, <laughs> sorry, important you know, investors start uh, coming in much later. Uh, so for the first few years, it's it's very difficult. Still, we had the feeling that uh, you know we were growing. And, and we were doing things right, and we were getting uh, attention, international and local. And the reputation of the festival we were building was was in the in the right direction. So, so you know, we trusted things would uh, get profitable at some point. But it, it took some time. Uh, I'd say from year uh, one to year eight, there were two good years. <laughs> And, there, and the, the others were losses. At the time, from 2006 to 2008, we had a lot of competition uh, with another promoter uh, from Barcelona that was making um, a festival in, in, in the same venue we were using. And, and by 2008, we were about to to, to withdraw and uh, or you know to, to stop the, the company because you know. We had we had we had had like three bad years in a row, and it was getting very difficult. Uh, everything changed. I don't know. These things happen. But in 2009, we we had um, Neil Young as a headliner, uh, amongst others, and our competitor uh, was not making the festivals anymore. And suddenly, and uh, even it was the start of a huge crisis in Europe. Things started go, started going better, and then we had a few years that uh, you know we were on on positive numbers, and we gained you know security uh, on what we were doing, and we you know took profit to grow a lot. Pablo, did you did you <laughs> did your friends and family think you were crazy when you started? <laughs> Uh, well, they they would come to the festival. <laughs> my 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 dad. Uh, came for the first 15 years in a row. And even they, I mean, they, I was lucky they trusted me because uh, I, I reckon it didn't look, uh, you know, the best uh, option every year, but, but, uh, but in the end it worked. So yeah, I guess, I guess, well, I, I own, I owe them a lot. Well, as 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 your dad as well, you go, you going into you going into law as like a solid career, and then you were like, ah, oh, well, fuck it, I'll just go and do festivals. He must have been you like, oh, I don't know, Pablo. Yeah, well, it's it. You're right, but I have to rec. Uh, you know, I, I have to admit that my uh, my father at some point was very supportive, and exactly we had that same conversation. Uh, like, um, look, uh, dad, uh, I'm going to stop law. I'm going to start uh, being a, a concert promoter and, and, and you know, working into, into, into music business. And he thought about it for a few seconds and said, well, I think you will make more money being a lawyer. You would make more money, but you you will probably be happier with music so you know go go ahead <laughs> yeah, and, and and i mean that was incredibly supportive and and at least in half of that half of that statement was true and with the important <laughs> half uh, so uh, yeah yeah i i am I'm, I'm grateful for that but i think i think that it's it's important to 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 know when you kind of start out as well because i think 
some people <laughs> might look at festivals or events in particular and kind of go, oh, that's easy. You just kind of organize all these these things and it, it, it kind of it comes about. But it's not it's not an easy uh, an easy job, is it? There's a lot of people I talk to that they think that we work only one weekend in the year. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, obviously it's hard to see because uh, the, all the all the planning and preparations and uh, you know making contracts and and you know designing production and and uh, you know that 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 that's a, a, a part of the job you you don't see. But we are currently in the office. Uh, 130 people, uh, full time, and then when the festival gets closer, we start hiring extra staff. So yeah, with one, we, 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 and these 130 people, they are busy the whole year round. So yeah, definitely it takes a lot of uh, planning and, and and preparation to to have the festival right. And, and that amount of people puts it into perspective as well for people. You know, this is not like a, as you say, like a weekend job. It's 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 a it's it's every single day. There's always something going on. What did you um What did you learn from the first year? Did did it go to plan, or uh, what are the things that you learned from the first year that you took into the second and third year? I think we we you know we what we it worked. What what we learned was that the, the our initial idea of having a festival inside the inside Barcelona uh, could could be done. We we've always been a late. Uh, we we we've always closed late. We closed at 6 a.m. Uh, by that time, and we still do. So you know we could go on with live music in Barcelona until 6 a.m. outdoors, which was you know. <laughs> It, it, it was not so obvious, um, but we, you know, we worked the sound very well, and we tried to, you know, minimize uh, problems with neighbors. We still have, but but the, the 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 main lesson, I guess, from the first year is that you know our our, our intuition that we, you could you could pull through a festival in the middle of the city and make it attractive. For the for the ticket holders to come and to you know be able to spend part of their time daytime in the city and then come to the festival and uh, and enjoy the shows in the evening and at night that was a, a good idea and so in the second year we we made, we we had two days the third year we had three days the fourth year we had four days of festival so we grew very fast uh, on top of that that content uh, and and you know. It still works. So, um, I was I was reading I was reading an article that you did with um, with a far magazine uh, online publication, oh. and I just wondered what you, you know. You talk about the in in that in that article you, in, in that interview, you talk about the the kind of need for travel and all that stuff. But what kind of impact did the festival have on on the local area that that you know in in Barcelona? What kind of did you feel the impact that it had on on the local area? Well, I guess I mean there's different ways of of measuring that impact. There's uh, the economical impact that with the, with time, you know, we we are bringing in in terms of economy, lots of travelers and uh, and people from abroad coming in and spending money, which that's interesting for city council. And so uh, then I guess we you know we've we've there's a lot of funds 
that had the opportunity to see not so obvious bands or bands that it would be hard to see in Barcelona as headliners at the festival. You know, for music fans, that, that's a very important thing. But then there's a lot of, uh, you know, we, we've, we've helped so many local bands that have passed through the festival. I don't know. It's not that uh, our help was significant, but Rosalia played in Primavera first time in 2013, I'd say, when uh, she released the, the Flamenco album. Then she came in, in a, you know, in a smaller stage, let's say. And then she came back in 2018 with El Malquerer, uh, yeah, already in, 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 in the main stage. But we've seen uh, bands coming and playing in the festival, uh, you know, starting their career and then coming back when they had a success and and, and, and they could play in, in bigger stages. So I, I guess there's lots of levels where the impact uh, of the festival, where, where you can feel the impact of the of the festival. And Rosalia is a perfect example. I mean, that's <laughs> she's she's got pretty big at the moment, hasn't she? Well, there's <laughs> as big as you can get. <laughs> I mean, she's 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 on the American scene. Uh, she's I mean, she's 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 massive at the moment. Yeah, she's massive and she's doing something really difficult, which is, in, you know, it's it's like be, be progressive in her music. She's not stale in the sound uh, and she's, she's trying to introduce new language and new inputs and new, you know, new patterns. Yeah. So she's trying to introduce new patterns to in in her music, and you know that makes it, uh, her success even more interesting. So when did you feel like it became kind of an international festival? When did you feel like it was? You mentioned the seventh year or eighth year, I think you mentioned. But when did you feel like okay, right now it feels like a viable option? Now it feels like it's actually gaining some traction and and, and becoming bigger. We, we always had some, you know, we, we always tried to uh, have a good relation with uh, press and magazines in London. Uh, since the Orangel at music, it's very, I mean, we have to recognize it's very Anglo-Saxon. So we were uh, always careful with the promotion we were doing in the, in the UK. But at some point in 2009, when the economical crisis at that time came over, we realized that, you know, there was a chance where, uh, you know, the, 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 we, we would need to bring in people from France and from the UK and from Italy because the wages in Spain were very low. There was a, a lot of uh, unemployment and, and we, we were also growing in terms of capacity in the venue we in, in, in the venue venue we still work at, at Parc del Forum. And so in order for the festival to grow, we would need to, you know, uh, put more attention into our uh, promotion and PR in the in you know in in, in our neighbor in, in the neighbor countries. And then we started a program with several uh, PR companies uh, to put you know our festival also in the international uh, un unconscious, unconsciousness of, of you know I mean, festival goers and, and it actually worked and and uh, again since the since the you know the, the, the way we address to our, uh, to to the fans in terms of communication uh, and the content of the festival uh, it's very anglo-saxon we started having uh, lots of uh, 
people from London coming over. We always had a, you know, uh, we always were a reference amongst uh, music lovers because of the composition of the of the lineup, because you could see bands that were hard to see in other festivals. So let's say we were a Punters festival from very early. Um, but but we noticed that in that in that in that term from 2008 to 2000 and probably 13 14 then it was easier and and currently we have i i'd say we have uh, ticket holders from 120 countries which is you know i mean um, lots of them coming from australia i i, I couldn't say a, a exact figure but um, i guess uh, around uh, 1500 but then there's uh, for 2022 there's uh, like 20,000 people coming from the us there's going to be around 45,000 people coming from uk uh, and then you know an array of you know smaller uh, audiences but from a lot of countries so yeah it, it, yeah did you feel like you had to make Oh, I mean, you say it's Anglo-Saxon, but did you feel like you had to get UK companies or based companies involved to elevate it to to the point where it is? Because, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I don't know, you know, Spanish or English, but depending on what you read is one of them is the second most spoken language of the world. Did you feel like you had to get English speaking companies involved to to try and give it a different or, or, or boost its attendance? I, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm not. 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 Not that we thought of it that way. Um, I mean, we we that like the festivals we had in our in our area and the festivals we went to when we were young in Spain, which was Doctor Music or Benicassin Festival. They were all mainly uh, American and and uh, British headliners. Or maybe Australian, um, you know. Um, so, so, so in a way, we had to go to London to to book. Uh, that's where the agencies are, and and that that was the everyday job in in booking terms. And and then you go to London and you choose between what's available. It's not that you can choose anything. We still had a, a, a and we do a, the um, Spanish names. Or Latin names, but in a way, the you know I I have to admit that the, if, if in terms of percentage, uh, English-speaking bands are the you know the, the majority of bands at Primavera. So, I, but I, it's, I, nothing I, you do, it's nothing you do to to get your audience, you know, to attract audience from these specific countries. It's exactly it's, it's what you book to get the product you like and the product you feel comfortable with. Yeah, and do you think that's actually people from Barcelona that want the English-speaking bands as well? I, I mean, there's an audience for them, obviously. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, in 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 Latin-speaking countries like Italy or France or Spain, we have our own tradition of music. And sometimes, you know, for music lovers, you are on one side meaning uh, or the other meaning you you you, you like your uh, local folklorical references or you look more abroad and to an in, to an international music scene and sometimes it's hard to combine both of them 
Um, there are lots of there are some Spanish festivals that only do uh, Spanish bands or mainly do Spanish bands, and they have their their crowd and and they work well. But it's a you know it's a it's a strategy or it's the product they want to the, the overall product they wanna they wanna work with. Um, uh, we were looking more into the international scene, and if you go to the international scene, yeah, again you're gonna find Rosalias. Right? Lately, but uh, most of the bands you're gonna find uh, are, are are English speaking. For the people in Barcelona, I mean, uh, whenever there's a headliner show of a you know significant band uh, English speaking, it gets it gets sold out. So, I mean, the the, the audience is is there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so uh, I mean, for me, uh, uh, you know, whenever I went to Barcelona, I loved kind of going off the beaten track and trying to find. You know, we we went last time to 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 see a kind of a band on the rooftop in Cerca de Plaza de Catalunya, and it was uh, really like beautiful. And you know, it's kind of like the combination of both, isn't it? You really have to kind of like look at look at the the, the both. And I think that's what Primavera really is stands out from everyone else is that it actually has uh, a, such a big diverse mixture of people that that's what people actually attend for. Uh, so I wondered, how do you how do you keep the festival relevant and interesting? Because it, it, it's evolved over time, over over the years. How do you try and keep it relevant and interesting? And yeah, how do you go about those conversations? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, even we're music fans. We realize we can't make the festival about only about the bands we like or, or the bands we are fans of. We again, we we want to make the festival a reflection of what's been going on musically in in you know white uh, conception uh, for the last year so uh, we for instance we had some bad reactions when we started including uh, reggaeton and trap artists in artists in the lineup because some of the you know older uh, primavera customers or you know more classic primavera customers thought that did, that you know that kind of music had no place in an indie festival which was probably their personal conception of what we were doing but in in the end uh, like if you see other and i i, I still recall in 2018 when we did uh, when we started doing more urban acts and more, uh, you know, Latin acts at the festival. Some of the other promoters of festivals in Spain, they would, you know, claim publicly in the press that uh, they would never, uh, you know, hire those bands for their festival because that was not uh, what their festivals meant. You look at the at the lineup today, you'll see how they also want to attract to a uh, and get to a younger audience. So they have to make concessions. And, 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 you know, it's not that we are doing, you know, artificially putting this or that band to attract this or that kind of people or that, uh, that uh, age or people from, that age, from a specific age. It's just that if you look at the, you know, list of best albums published in, you know, whatever, The Guardian or The New York Times uh, at the, by, by in January this year, you'll see how you, you've got all these artists in, 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 in you know, in, 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 the, in the list. So, again, it's focusing, you know, you, you, you keep yourself relevant as long as you keep your eyes open on what's going on in reality. 
if you only do the bands you want to see as a person, as a fan, you'd probably get outdated um, in not a very long time. Yeah, so so where do you think it's, uh, I mean, it's hard to predict now, but I mean, we're 2022, uh, we can look back on this interview in, in, in 10 years' time, but what do you what do you think is, is next for the festival? I mean, there's technologies obviously evolving a lot. Uh, how do you think the festival will evolve in time? It's, it's, it's well, uh, at the moment we have to, a lot to, to work on. Um, we just started... Uh, franchises in LA in September this year and then in November we're going to Sao Paulo, Buenos Aires and Santiago de Chile and uh, you know uh, we're introducing uh, Primavera Sound in, in the new markets we have to see how this works we can't forget that the important thing is to sell the tickets <laughs> everything else is just um, I mean, it's just planning. But if you don't, if you don't get to, you know, sell the tickets, this is not going to work. But uh, we, in time, I don't know. Um, in in general terms, technology helps a lot, and you can you can offer better, faster services. But uh, you know, the experience of a festival, it's the it's the essence of it all. It's it's going to a venue, enjoying music. Feeling a little bit of freedom and and uh, you know having fun with your friends, and this is very experiential. You you cannot you substitute that with 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 an with an app or a telephone or a computer. And so I guess you know as 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 the world is is getting smaller in a way, uh, the, you know our proposal or or way of approaching music and, and and programming festivals you know can can be taken to some other regions uh, we 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 haven't visited yet we'll see we'll see uh, it's such an unpredictable world at the moment anyway that uh, you know it's hard to say exciting or scary one of the two um what's uh <laughs> pablo what's both. what's been your favorite artist or performer that you've had at the festival has there been one where you've kind of wanted and then you've seen them and you've been like oh this is this is who I wanted. I recall a lot a very early show, LCD Sound System in 2003. They had just released. Uh, at the moment we booked them, they had only released uh, the Losing My Edge 12 inches, inches. And I went to New York and I met uh, James Murphy uh, first as a fan. He was DJing in a in a venue, and I and I. Approached him after the after after uh, he finished and and we were talking for a little bit. I told him uh, that I had, by that time it was a very small festival that I had a festival in, in Spain and he he was interested. But then uh, uh, we we finally he got an agency. We 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 booked him for you know a very reasonable price at the moment, uh, and he did the, one of the his first shows ever. In Primavera Sound, Sound 2003, and being James being a very a great storyteller teller and a very funny guy, he takes very seriously his job. And he um, well, once he, he he did a short sound check, and once he had his time to go on stage um, and start the show, he 
started the sound check again. And it took him at least one hour or so in front of the audience, which was a, a 500 people venue, probably 300, 350 people in there. He had them waiting for an hour until he was ready. And at the time, I mean, they didn't have so many songs neither. So they delivered a 25-minute show, which, you know, I still, I, I mean, it was really intense. It was a great show. They sounded like, a, you know, a jumbo. It, it, it was amazing. And, and uh, you know, I still recall that that show as one of my favorite shows ever at Primavera. There's been a, a lot of them with time. That, that show with Neil Young in 2009, uh, just after the Football Club Barcelona won uh, the Champions League, and Neil Young was on stage with a Football Club Barcelona scarf, and he delivered an amazing show. Um, I don't know. There's, a, there's, there's lots of them. But, uh, the, which the which we, Champions uh, League was that, Pablo? Because you've won so many now. I think it's it's the one we won uh, at Wembley Stadium against Manchester in 2009. Even worse. I say that's one. I wonder as well, like, you know, how important is it for you as well? I mean, you're talking about the over 100 people that you have in the office there. How important is it to have a good team around you? Well, it's everything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because we, 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 the core team, it's still the same than when we started. Uh, we, we've been growing around that core team, but in a way it feels, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, the continuity of having the same team, it helps a lot. Then you get, you grow, you get uh, more, you know, specified in, 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 in production, you get a better team, you get a better team in communication, you get a team in logistics. But you still work around. You still have around the same people, so that gives a sense of continuity and makes it easier. But having a team that you know, you know, knows the culture of the of the company and that knows exactly what they have to deliver and that they're responsible. Well, it's everything because it's it's a it's a teamwork what we do. And what do you, uh, I mean, you must have interviewed so many people. What characteristics do you look for in, in someone coming to work for you at the festival? Well, in the, it depends on, on the position, obviously. But at the moment, I think, I mean, the, the most important thing is that uh, you're, you, you will have to be um, executive in terms of, you know, aut- autonomous and executive as much as possible. Once you get, you know, your things rolling, uh, be a good team player. One of the things I'm proud about the festival, I don't know if you are um, familiar with production teams and, uh, you know, festival production environment. Usually it's a very tense environment. There's a lot of, you know, bad moods and and shouting in in several places I've been. The the, the vibe we have at the festival, even through crisis, uh, but, you know, or, you know, through the festival, it's a very friendly, very you know calm uh, vibe. Uh, if there's a problem, we sit down, we look at it, we try to you know go around it or solve it or whatever. But you know, it's very important to create a nice atmosphere that they, you know people feel comfortable working with and people feel comfortable having initiative and and putting ideas on the table. If if everything's tension work gets really hard and slow. 
that makes total sense for i'm sure that's 90 to 95 percent of, of all festivals as well pablo we're coming to the end of the, the episode now and i just wanted to one of the things that i wanted to, to to ask you barcelona is such an iconic place for a lot of people around the world and anyone listening uh, i know it puts you on under pressure a little bit but um i just wondered if there is your top three venues in barcelona to kind of see the best bands or see up-and-coming artists what are your favorite venues around barcelona and 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 where would you tell people to go to oh well that's easy tell me music venues if they come to barcelona definitely they have to go to apollo club which is uh, downtown uh, they got a uh, program every day uh, club program night program and they've got a uh, uh, lots of uh, you know uh, crazy program in terms of uh, head, uh, band shows uh, so i'm sure they'll find something to enjoy then uh, there is la now which is a smaller venue you know, not far from downtown neither, and uh, and and they got they, they, Apollo capacity is 2,000, and they do a lot of club sessions, and that's a great place to go for to you know to stay for until late. But now it's more uh, just about uh, shows, but it's got it's a smaller venue, 500 people, maybe 400 people, but it's it's it's, it's a great venue, great sound to see. Uh, shows they've got a uh, program running almost every day too so that's a, an easy one uh, and then um, the other great venue to watch shows and to go to their clubs it's it's basmatas it's a bigger venue but it's got a great program too so yeah any of these three uh, guarantees uh, a lot of fun Pablo Seler, gracias por, por hablar conmigo y, y buena suerte por, uh, well, in, in el futuro uh, gracias Muchas gracias a ti, me lo he pasado muy bien. Espero que nos vamos a volver a hablar pronto. This episode was edited by Podlike, the world leaders in podcast editing and production. Discover more great podcasts at podlike.online.